0: Hi, I'm Gavin Givannoni, Professor of Neurology at Barts and the London School of Medicine and Dentistry, and I'm doing this MS Selfie newsletter about whether or not MS can cause uh, you to die from the disease. What raises this particular issue was I recently saw a new patient uh, in clinic. I actually confirmed uh, that he had multiple sclerosis, although his referring neurologist had raised the issue, the diagnosis hadn't formally been made. And during that time, his partner had gone away and done a lot of research uh, on the internet and uh, had a morbid fascination, I think, with the young cello player Jacqueline Dupre, who uh, developed MS and died at the age of 42. And you're probably aware that Jacqueline uh, Dupre has kind of become the poster child of multiple sclerosis, particularly amongst many of the MS societies, and as a result People who are uninformed or yet to be informed uh, think that MS is a disease that kills you in your early 40s, and that's the norm. Uh, And so her impression uh, of this was that her partner was going to die very young uh, from MS. I just want to point out that um, the type of MS that Jacqueline Dupre had is pretty atypical. Even though she lived and died in the pre-DMT era, even in that era, MS didn't on average cause you to die in your 40s. Um, It probably reduced life expectancy in the pre-DMT era about 8 to 10 years. Now that we have uh, disease-modifying therapies, particularly highly effective ones, and we also have better ways of looking after people with MS in terms of the complications, the uh, reduction in life expectancy is much, much less. Uh, It's in the region of probably 3 to 5 years, and I'm putting probably because um, the highly effective DMTs haven't been around long enough to see the impact on uh, mortality life expectancy, but I was at a meeting uh, a few years ago where a Norwegian neurologist got up and said that in their registry life expectancy was now just three years lower than expected. So that is testament to uh, what's happening across the space. Uh, In every country in the world, we are dramatically improving outcomes. So I think Jacqueline Dupre shouldn't be celebrated for her MS what she should be celebrated for is her ability to play the cello. And if you are into classical music, she's considered to be one of the stars or contemporary stars uh, playing the cello. And there are beautiful clips on YouTube showing how talented she was as a cello player. And I've actually have one in the uh, in the newsletter for you to watch. Uh, very inspiring. <clears throat> now. Saying uh, that not people, most people don't have the type of MS Jacqueline Dupre has, I don't think we as healthcare professionals should be giving you the wrong impression and give you a rose-tinted view of the world. You know, I've actually heard and seen many uh, healthcare professionals tell their patients MS doesn't uh, cause you to uh, shorten your life, doesn't uh, cause death. And this is incorrect because we now know from... Uh, several studies, that about three-quarters of people die from uh, MS-related complications. Uh, The most common one being aspiration pneumonia with a chest infection. The other ones would be septicemia, usually from urinary tract infections or infected pressure sores, bed sores. other ones are a little bit less common. Um, falls with head injuries, for example, is one. Immobility and having DVTs, clots in the leg that cause pulmonary embolise, another one. Um, I had a very v- unusual patient who was quite unsteady on her feet because she had involvement of the cerebellum. So she had what we call an ataxia, unsteady gait. And she got up at night to go to the toilet and fell and went into her mirror. And shattered, and a piece of glass lacerated her arm and cut her brachial artery, and she tragically died from hemorrhage. That's a very freak accident, but it just shows you that uh, you know MS can affect and put you at risk of accidents. There um, is this. Uh, the other thing is also mental health. Uh, we now we know from population studies that people with multiple sclerosis are at higher risk of suicide, uh, and various studies put it between two and seven and a half times higher than background rates. This is a problem. Um, it's usually young men, in my experience, my uh, experience in my own practice. And I think that's kind of what happens when uh, people get chronic diseases. But I think we're much better now at uh, giving people hope, picking up mental health issues and addressing them. And so anybody who does feel depressed down and has no hope because they've got MS, that's not quite your the worldview you should have lots of things we can do as healthcare professionals to, to manage your your uh, low mood. So please don't think suicide is an option, or shouldn't be an option in the modern era. Now there is a rare c- condition called, and I've I've, I've uh, 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 named it uh, uh, suddenness, sudden death in multiple sclerosis. And this really came about uh, after the drug fingolimod or Jelenia was launched. There were a, a a cluster of sudden deaths related to the drug. Now, we think most of those deaths might have been related to the impact of the S1P modulators of engolament on conduction in the heart, and that triggered uh, increased vigilance and safety and screening at baseline, so we do ECG and we make sure the heart's okay, uh, and we do first dose monitoring. So we've de-risked the impact of uh, the S1P modulators on cardiac conduction problems. Um, but saying that though, our MS treatments can put you at risk of life-threatening complications. You know, particularly immunosuppressive therapy. So natalizumab, for example, puts you at risk of PML, and that could be life-threatening. Siponimod again is, long term, is an op, is a uh, immunosuppressant therapy and could put you at risk of uh, serious opportunistic infections and in secondary tumors, for example. Uh, Alamtuzumab, (HACT) uh, associated with quite severe life-threatening acute infections. We try and pre- pre- prevent those causing problems by putting people on prophylactic antibiotics, antivirals, but again, uh, you know, a small number of people die as a result of the complications of, for example, HACT. Mortality associated with that is quoted as uh, up to 2%, but in most good bone marrow transplant units in the region of 03 to 0.5% uh, percent mortality. So these are serious treatments, and even symptomatic therapies um, you get life-threatening side effects. I had one patient when I was very early in my training uh, as a neurologist. Uh, she had MS, and she had triglyceride and we had started on tegritol carbamazepine, and she developed a very rare allergic skin reaction called Stephen Johnson syndrome, and uh, that spread and sped, and she died as a complication of a severe uh, cutaneous hypersensitivity reaction. Very tragic. It shouldn't happen anymore because we try and de-risk that as well by doing tests before we start your carbamazepine. And we warn about that and try and uh, manage it before it develops into a life-threatening problem. I also had a patient we started on an interferon beta preparation, and she developed an autoimmune hepatitis. Now, whether that was related to the drug or not is a point. but anyway, she uh, had serious um, liver toxicity and almost needed a liver transplant uh, because it was so bad. Uh, and there are case reports of people dying from hypersensitivity uh, reactions to drugs uh, in people with multiple sclerosis. So there are lots of reasons why uh, MS and the treatment of MS, be it disease-modifying treatments or symptomatic treatments, can increase your risk of death. But the sudden death in, in multiple sclerosis is very similar to what we see in epilepsy called SUDEP, a sudden death in epilepsy. So this is usually due to the effects of the seizure on the autonomic nervous system that control the heart. And these people get an arrhythmia and probably have asystole, their heart stops and they die from a cardiac complication. Um, People with multiple sclerosis, as you're probably aware, have an increased risk of epilepsy. So SUDEP is a problem even in the MS space and may explain some of the sudden deaths we see uh, in people with multiple sclerosis. But the most likely cause is brainstem lesions, particularly in the so-called medulla oblongata, the bottom of the brainstem, is various important uh, collections of neurons. Uh, nuclear we call them, that control autonomic function and we know that lesions in that can affect the heart, bradycardia and certain arrhythmias. And uh, I put up two case studies uh, that have been described relatively recently of sudden death in multiple sclerosis as a result of um, or complications related to the, the medulla oblongata. Um, now, saying that though, there was a very tragic case uh, who died in Australia of sudden death. She actually didn't develop arrhythmia. She developed edema fluid on the lungs, and she died 17 hours after presenting with a massive brain stem relapse. And that triggered an investigation into other cases and resulted in the description of the very early or the so-called hyperacute uh, MS lesion. And this is now known as the prineus lesion. And this lesion is really, really important because when you actually look at that brain lesion, uh, there is not much B or T lymphocytes. Actually, there isn't B or T lymphocyte infiltrate. But the lesion is associated with widespread death of the cell that makes myelin, not even endrocyte. There is immunoglobulin uh, and complement activation in that lesion, but no T and B cells. And this really challenges uh, the pathogenesis of how new MS lesions form. And the obvious question is what's killing those oligodendrocytes? Uh, and I personally think it may be a viral infection. And what's happening is you have an antibody response, and that's why you're seeing it, and the uh, TMB cells are secondary to that. Yeah. The current uh, prevailing dogma in MS is that it's autoimmune driven by autoimmune TMB lymphocytes, and they're responsible for the formation of the initial lesion. The prineus lesion challenges that, suggesting that the T and B cell response may be secondary to what's causing the disease. And people think that the prineus lesion was described on one patient, but it's not correct. If you go into that paper in detail, it was published in 2004, there were 12 patients and the lesions were uh, seen in uh, seven patients. Now what's important though is the other lesions in these people were not the so-called hyperacute lesion. The other lesions are typical MS lesions seen in in uh will describe in other ms patients so, so suggesting that it's the timing that's important if you get these lesions very early on in the beginning you see this death of these oligodendrocytes uh, and then if you wait you know a few days maybe weeks then you start seeing the tmb lymphocytes which is a, is not the the very early lesion and so this is a really really important thing now i know the prinius lesion has come under criticism some people think that the person didn't have MS. Well, if that person didn't have MS, what about the other eleven patients in this in the paper? Uh, and so, uh, a lot of pathologists have cr- heavily criticised uh, the preneus lesion, and a lot of other very experienced MS pathologists have kept quiet. They haven't come out, and I'm not sure why. And uh, One of the things is John Preneas is a very uh, um, serious uh, scientist. He's not a pathologist actually; he's a neurologist, but he spent a lot he's most of his life. Uh, looking down a microscope at ms lesions and you know he wouldn't come out with a publication um without a, without years of serious consideration and i know some of his collaborators said he spent months and years agonizing over the potential implications of, of this hyperacute lesion so um, read the paper and if you've got any questions uh, ask and i'll try and respond but i don't want you to go away uh, thinking that MS is going to necessarily cause you to die. Okay, most people live to, uh, you know, very close to your expected life expectancy. So, you know, life expectancy is only shorter by a few years. Um, uh, and obviously, with disease-modifying therapies, if we manage your MS properly, then the chance of having pseudo, uh, sudden, de- uh, sudden death in multiple sclerosis. Scru- sudden death in multiple sclerosis is very low because we're stopping those lesions uh, or the inflammatory component from forming. Um, Anyway, I'm sure this newsletter is going to cause a lot of um, controversy. It just normally does when I discuss the prineus lesion. It somehow brings out the worst in people, but that's fine. Scientific debate is important, and it's probably worth re-debating the prineus lesion. It also shows you the value though um, of donating your brain for research. So you know we wouldn't and we wouldn't know about the previous lesion unless these people who had multiple sclerosis volunteered to donate their brains for research. And I put two links, one to the National MS Society and one, one to the UK MS Society um, that you can click on. And obviously, if you don't live in the US or the UK, your own countries will have brain donation programs, and I would urge you to search for them online and volunteer to donate your brain for research. Thank you.